Welcome to The Sword of the Trial. It's a podcast of Founders Ministries, and Founders exists for the recovery of the gospel and the reformation of local churches. And I'm Tom Askell, and I'm delighted to have you join with us again this week. Uh, today, we have a very special guest, Dr. Mark Coppinger, who is an old friend and who has been teaching at the Institute of Public Theology here this week, and will be teaching another course in just a few weeks. Uh, Mark has been stepping in due to some difficulties we have with travel arrangements and getting Bodie Balkan over here, so he and Bodie Balkum wound up teach, team teaching the cultural apologetics course for the Institute of Public Theology. And beginning in February the 14th through the 18th that week, he will be teaching an introduction to philosophy class that you can sign up for. And just go to the Institute of Public Theology.org and get more information there. The week before that, on the 7th of February, Conrad and Bayway will be here teaching a course on preaching. So, again, for more information, just go to the website. You can get to it from founders.org or the Institute of Public Theology.org. So, Mark, welcome. Thank you for being with Great us to be today. Here. Yeah, I appreciate so much uh, this class that you are teaching on cultural apologetics. And I've been able to sit in on a little bit of it, but I've talked to the students. And uh, man, everybody's so excited and grateful for your willingness to come and do what you've done, especially on such short notice and with such excellence. And yeah. I've described it uh, to our people here and to the students. It's like, you know, you've got Aaron Rodgers, who's uh, scheduled to be your starting quarterback, and he gets sick and he can't make it for the first two quarters. And so uh, Tom Tom Brady says, well, I'll step in. And so Tom Brady comes in, and the team's going forward with full force. And so it's been great. So thanks very kind, Very kind. And I tell you, I I mentioned I woke up in the middle of the night here, and I had something to do, and I just worked for a couple of hours and ran on short sleep. And I was thinking, you know, I wonder – if I'll be draggy and this class, these guys energized me. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I thought I was going to run past and make heaven if I didn't <laughs> run past it. It was, it was so exhilarating to be these students. So thanks for the opportunity. Well, it's been a joy and you've been serving them uh, very well. So thanks grateful so. for that. I also want to just thank you too, for your wield the sword episode on oh. aesthetics. And uh, there's fun. a lot of good lines in that. If you haven't watched that, you can find that on our founders, YouTube channel, or just go to wield the sword on the founders website and you'll get there. But one of the lines in there and talking about aesthetics and ways that, that I typically don't think about, mm-hmm. but, that all of us ought to be thinking about as Christians is uh, you're talking about serving up uh, oatmeal. So put a little raisins in the oatmeal. (laughs) Make it tasty. It wasn't totally original, but I didn't know the source to cite. But uh, but yeah, I just think those examples sure do help. Illustrations help. Yeah, well, they do. And God has uh, gifted you and used you in so many ways across so many years. I was trying to remember with Donna earlier this week and just mentioned to you, I, I think I met you for the first time at Southwestern Seminary, our years there overlapped a little bit back in the late seventies, early eighties. And we had at least one class together and I did not know who you were, but I knew that the professors knew something Mm -hmm. about you that they didn't know about me or I didn't have Mm -hmm. for them to know. And I found out later that you had graduated from Vanderbilt with a PhD in philosophy and had already taught, I think, right? Had you been teaching at six years at Wheaton Wheaton. and a year at Vanderbilt? Yeah. So here's a, a professor that has taught at Vanderbilt and Wheaton uh, PhD in philosophy. He's coming to do an MDiv at Southwestern. I thought, well, man, that is a, a wonderful mark of humility, and what an opportunity to uh, to have you in that class. And um, anyway, so since well, you're then, kind. thanks. Yeah, yeah, it's been neat to just kind of 
track with you, and you were very much involved in the conservative resurgence. You got mm-hmm. to see some of the things a little bit behind the scene. Um, mm-hmm. You were telling me just a moment ago that you had been your church members with Harold Lindzel. Yeah, right, right, up there right. While you're at Wheaton, so I mean, there's just yeah. all kinds of things that God has right. uh, exposed you to and used you in. So tell all us right. a little bit about your journey from uh, well, even getting into. <clears throat> Uh, philosophy and how you did that, and then yeah. what you what you've done since then. Okay, yeah, you know I, that's an odd uh, discipline. But my dad uh, was a pastor and uh, college teacher. Got his uh, doctorate in uh, church history from Edinburgh. Wrote on uh, Abraham Booth, mm. and so he was teaching in Baptist colleges. I'm a little Baptist college uh, prof's kid, and he was at Cumberland in Lebanon, Tennessee, when it was Baptist. And then Belmont College, Carson Newman, Washita, mm. and what they were doing in back in the day, they didn't have many trained philosophers, so they would get guys with Bible backgrounds or church history, and draft them to teach mm. Uh, mm-hmm. philosophy. And a, a lot of them were actually committed to liberating their kids from their Sunday school teachers' naivete, and yeah. so they were, here's some existentialism, and this is deep, <laughs> and you know, let's go here and there. He wasn't like that. But he was drafted, and we would do summer things. He would go and, and up his training philosophy at um, George Washington University or Colorado Boulder and the like, and we'd travel along. So he was he was serious about it, but I, I was just in, intrigued. And it was the 60s, and, uh, you know, things were going crazy. And so mm-hmm. I thought, um, wouldn't it be great if you could talk the language of the cool secularist or something and then have a Christian witness? I mean, mm-hmm. it, it was kind of like a missionary thing. But I remember once we were going, going off on a family trip, and he started talking about, like, what do you, and he started talking about the Communist Manifesto and the bourgeoisie and the proletariat <laughs> and, the, and dialectical materialism. I thought that was the coolest thing. <laughs> so I was kind of intrigued, and so I got the degree, and then I, I went on to Vandy and, um, and, and worked for the National Endowment for the Humanities in Vanderbilt. But then I went to Wheaton and taught full time. And then I got the growing sense that God wanted me to be a pastor. Hmm. And so it was funny. I was in Don Whitney's church uh, at the end. He had come up to pastor. And I felt a little bit like the... um, the guy on the on the bench and I said, put me in coach, put me in. I mean, there are a variety of things that, that came to pass. I was more excited about teaching Sunday school than I was lecturing on Kant or something mm, too. Yeah. But anyway, so I went to seminary and uh, pastored a legacy church in Arkansas, First Baptist Eldorado, and then became a denominational serpent or a servant as they say and worked with the Indiana Convention and the SBC Executive Committee and Midwestern and different things. Yeah. And then was a church planner. Um, but I have to tell you, I, I came late to understanding the whole inerrancy thing and mm. to get mixed up in that. And mm-hmm. just very quickly, um, when I went to when I went to Wheaton, they had a doctrinal statement, and I didn't know what some of the stuff meant. I mean, I there was something about premillennial, and I didn't know what that meant. And mm. I I still am mystified. I have to say, <laughs> um, it's, uh, this is not fair, but yeah, I say yeah. sometimes I believe the last thing I read on that. You know. <laughs> Uh, I did a paper once on um, for ETS on the, the mystery of the uh, Old Testament is the gospel for all the nations uh, by grace and mm-hmm. faith. And the mystery of the New Testament is the eschaton, I, I think. But at mm-hmm. any rate, uh, the thing that really got me, puzzled me, was verbal plenary inspiration. Mm-hmm. And I know what verbal means, yeah. and I think I know what plenary means and inspiration, but I called my dad. And I said, Dad, and he said, you believe that. <laughs> and, and he was right, yeah, you know. Yeah. And so that's when I was introduced to inerrancy. Yeah. 
And then I heard in that old church there some kind of rumblings uh, here and there about something's going on in the convention. See, I was there 75 to 81. Mm, so Adrian okay. was elected in 79. Yeah. Things were rumbling down there somewhere in Dixie. <laughs> and uh, I thought it was kind of... Um, not a good thing or something like mm. the barbarians are at the gate from what I heard. <laughs> yeah. And one thing led to another. And, and I, I finally am down at Southwestern and I'm here and there. It was a good education. I was drinking from a fire hose of, mm. of understanding, but they started taking shots at, at different things. I had mm. one professor question of whether there was actually a city at I or whether mm. uh, there could be that many Israelites in the Sinai here. I know mean, just little, t- and I think, Wait a second, it says it right here. Yeah. And, and I, I thought, and then um, I thought, you know, there really are some people who are not very keen on biblical inerrancy here. Mm-hmm. And so I became a pastor and I started to preach through books and the like. And I found out my predecessor was undermining uh, things too. And then I was standing out. They thought I would be more liberal because I had a philosophy degree. I thought they would be more conservative because they were in Arkansas. And boy, did we get a surprise. Uh, and, and so then they had the Peace Committee, and I wrote them. And, and, I was, I was started, and then I went on the board at Southern, and I looked at their doctrinal statement. And then I found out one of the faculty members up for tenure was, was saying that um, you can have post-mortem evangelism and that mm. other religions are like a stairway up to find Jesus and all this. And I thought... Things really are crazy. Yeah. And when I was a pastor, I got a call from uh, a Southern Seminary prof who said, I want, you to, I want you to lobby against a referendum that denies state funding, Arkansas funding, to abortion. And I thought, why do you think I care? You know, what is that? But I'd written a book and done a book in bioethics, and I guess he figured I was philosophy, so I was liberal, and I was on board. And I said, no, I mean, I hope the thing passes. And so it just kind of incrementally, wow. and then one thing led to another, and I found myself in an entry, in the soup up in Indiana, gladly, and I followed a guy, this morning you want to know, but I followed a guy named David Simpson, who was editing David. the Indiana Baptist, mm-hmm. and of all the state papers, he was the guy who right. was saying the inerrancy cause is worth it. And so they said... Be sure we keep that tradition going. And so I started writing columns. Mm-hmm. We brought Tammy and Gary Ledbetter up there. They mm-hmm. did that, and we stood out. And one thing led to another. Jerry Vines had me chair of resolutions committee in 99 in Vegas. And and uh, it, it's just like, well, duh. You know, it's <laughs> the Bible. This is what it says. And I thought how astonishing it is that people would differ from that and would be explicit about it. And we're paying for their yeah paying their salaries. So I was on I was on board. Yeah, yeah. Wow. And by God's grace, I mean that happened. We saw did things happen. reverse. And um, you and I have talked a little bit about the way things are now in the yeah. SBC. And of course, I, I'm yeah. convinced we need another uh, movement. We need another yeah. correction of the course that we're on. Right. And some people think that that's not possible, or it's too far gone, or mm-hmm. it's a fool's errand to try. But man, there were some really bad things going on yeah. back. In the 70s yeah. and 80s in the SBC, yeah. um, it, people are shocked to learn that the predecessor of the ERLC, the, the Christian, yeah, CLC Liber- became CLC. ERLC. Yeah. yeah, that the Christian Liberty Commit Christian 
Life Commission. Christian Life Commission. Yeah, that they yeah. actually advocated for abortion yeah. for Roe v. Wade. And, you know, that, it was the oddest thing. When I chaired resolutions, I went back and read all these old resolutions from years back, yeah. and I was astonished that around 73, 74, mm-hmm. they were kind of copacetic with it. Like, yeah, yeah. you know, that sounds, makes sense. And I'll, what? I know, I know. So yeah. we have that, and I remember there, there was one professor at Southern Seminary that whenever he was a theology professor, whenever he would begin his lectures about the scriptures, right. would take a copy of the scriptures and walk to the front of the class and throw it in the garbage can. Yeah, that's how it began. That's bizarre. That you know? is so bizarre. So we had a lot, and, you know? and denying the literal resurrection you know? of Jesus and beyond a historian's competence to know, you know? Glenn Henson said, you know, whether Jesus ever came back from the dead. And I knew it's crazy. And then I, I had the Broadman commentary, and I know he kind of tried to finesse it, but he said, you know, the axe head flo- goes mm-hmm. in at the mm-hmm. prophets, and they stir it, and it floats, and he says, this shows how myth and saga overlay <laughs> Like, well, what do you mean there? Yeah. And that was in the Broadman commentary. That was the revision. <laughs> that was the revision. You're right. That's exactly right. And then, yeah, I think well, Francisco, you had a, a Brit, right? The first Genesis. I mean, they were, yeah. they were, you know, they did pass scrutiny. I was in Indiana, and uh, it, things were very raw. I went into Indiana as the exec in um, 88. And things were very raw. And one of the guys there, you know, he's kind of taking umbrage that uh, my being critical of the, some of the seminary stuff. And he said, well, you know, come to think of it, when I was at Southeastern in this case, he mm. said, a professor said the miracle of the loaves and the fishes came when the little boy shared his lunch and everybody was impressed with that and inspired and they shared their lunches. And it was a, a miracle of like mutual love. And it was like, what? <laughs> you know, but that stuff was going. And yeah. so anyway, it, it was a definitely righteous cause. I yeah. Say. Yeah. Things were bad. And, and uh, there are many of us that think that things are not good now, you know, that yeah. our trajectory is not good. And um, up until about five years ago or so, one of the things I could say to people who would point out to, about problems in the convention is, well, okay, it's a big place, big, yeah. big convention, lots of churches, and the trajectory's good. You know, we've, we've got a better trajectory than we've yeah. had, and we keep kind of moving in the right direction. And um, I can't say that anymore. Yeah, yeah, it's very troubling. It's it's a troubling time. I'm astonished, and uh, you know, you you look at you look at the march of of liberalism and everything. All institutions seem to drift secular, and yeah. you know, we might have had fifty plus state colleges, and a lot of them become secular. And and you know, I use the the notion of a helicopter where you have the main rotor that lifts it, but that tail rotor pushes against the mm. the torque, the auger, and if it's not pushing like conservative commitments every day that thing spins out of control it has to push against the tendency and the tendency is to like lose it and become non-biblical essentially and so i thought we had it kind of wrapped up for a while it only takes one generation actually to lose it and um i could kind of understand people doubting the bible there are all kinds of books that say oh look at the harmony it doesn't quite match up you had a guy in ets that says it says the sermon on the mount here and the sermon on the plain here yeah. and, da, 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 and that kind of thing as if he couldn't have preached the same tournament <laughs> twice or a plain can mean level place on the top of the mountain but at any rate they're always pecking away at yeah. that but it seemed to me that after the civil rights movement, for example, and where uh, you know you you can't discriminate on the basis of this and that, and 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 Martin Luther King and all this, I thought, well, that's we got that. And then out of the blue, people are buying into this critical theory, mm. which is like perpetual 
insolence, perpetual, perpetual uh, resentment, dividing everybody into oppressor and oppressed. And even if you're not consciously or so, oh, it's subtle. It's almost like a Freudian thing. It's not, it's not falsifiable. I mean, That's you can right. just say it. There's nothing can count against it. And then we're always talking about wounds and safe places. And, and I think, boy, you should have lived in the field. What are you talking about? Yeah. I mean, it's like the princess and the pea, if you know that. You remember, mm-hmm. is she really a princess? We'll put a garden pea <laughs> underneath all these mattresses, and in the morning if she has a backache, then, then she's bound to be a princess. <laughs> and she did. And yeah. so it seems to me we pride ourselves on our little aches and hurts mm-hmm. and pains and affronts, and that doesn't seem Christian. And then the Tenth Commandment tells us not to covet, and it just seems that's been turned into a high art. Right. And, and the, just, the, I don't know. It's just the, it, it's, there's no end to it. There's yeah. no, it's kind of like COVID now. It's like, what are we going to be wearing masks three years from now? Like at what point do we just love, love brothers? But they've imported this thing, which is, uh, you know, the Marxist understanding was economic and then now we're going to mm-hmm. make it social and they've, they've bought it. And I think, are you crazy? Because I've seen people speak against, like, you've got to be careful with yoga, or you've got to be careful with this, or whatever, <laughs> you know, and there are watchdogs here and there. And then to me, it's I, sometimes I think about that old scam on the internet where it's the Nigerian prince, and he says, hey, I've just been, I've lost track a little bit. If you'll just give me this money, then, you know, it'll all work out. And I think people fell for that. I feel badly, but yeah. they fell for critical theory. And now, and then all kinds of woundedness about, about gender and and uh, it, it's just like I, I just like did this really happen and and it did yeah and it's kind of infectious and by the way the the mechanisms to preserve it are powerful because you have all these insults I mean you're phobic this you're racist mm-hmm. you're whatever nobody wants to be that and now social media is there and it's just like they'll cancel you they will kill mm-hmm. you this and that and so we have a lot of terrified people who are doubting themselves. Mm-hmm. And somehow or other, some of our leaders have bought into it. That's just baffling to me. Me too. It's like I can sell you beachfront property in in (laughs) Kansas. Yeah, I know. And it it was so uh, confounding to me and disorienting for for a while. And finally, what what finally helped me is I I said, okay, I'm just going to put a bag over everybody's face. I'm going to forget who it is that's saying it. I'm Mm -hmm. just going to look at what they're saying, what they're doing, what they're writing, and how they're responding. Mm. And you say, I mean, this is not bad. This is not right. This is bad. This is not right. And then you pull the bags off. You say, whoa. Yeah. Yeah. Whoa, that's you. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's not some compound outside Waco or something. I mean, it's, right. uh, it's these, yeah, it's hard to believe. It is hard. And I, and it's disappointing. And where I've kind of come down, Mark, is uh, though, you know, thank God for all the good things that all of our leaders have done across time. Yeah. I think it's time for new leadership. I just think we need new leadership yeah. across the board. Yeah. And, you know, I'm disappointed in Ed Litton, and I don't know him personally, but I don't, I don't know how he could continue trying to even serve as a pastor or especially serve as a pastor, given the things that have come out that he's obviously guilty of. Yeah. No, I, that is surprising. I mean, I, I've been a teacher a long time. I remember when we finally discovered Boolean searches uh, <laughs> where you put quotations yeah, yeah. mark around. And so somebody... You know, somebody might write a paper. I've seen this even at Southern, but at Elmhurst College, I can remember exact cases where someone will write something, and I think, I don't think they know those words, you know, <laughs> yeah, or that yeah, doesn't yeah. sound quite right. And they might have, like, the 
you know, Eliamasonary conjunction of the confluence or something. And I thought, I've been with you all semester long. You don't, you don't talk that way. So you put that around and bingo, it comes out of a journal or something and they stole it from an encyclopedia. And so that's, that's a bad place to be when you, when this happens. So it seems to me really misleading and a couple of things seem kind of crazy. One of the best things, one of the best times I had as a pastor was preparing sermons. I mean, mm. put the commentaries out there, and I, I go through the go through the text, and I have a little thing I write initial. It's just my first first little reaction, like, "What do you mean purge with hyssop? What's hyssop?" You know, yeah. or something like that. And I'll write all the questions down, bombard it with questions that Scott Tatum taught us at Southwestern, and then I go to the commentaries, and I imagine people around the table, and they're counseling me, but wrestling with it, and letting the illustrations come, and the and the analogies, and the like, and that's a lot of spiritual growth. And mm-hmm. to just forego that, yeah. and then in a funny way, it strikes me that. It's a great thing to give reference. I mean, my own son in his preaching will, will say, look, I got this from Charles Spurgeon, right. or this comes from, you know, whatever. And it's like, wow, this guy's doing his work. Mm-hmm. And so it's a way of, I would say, burnishing your work and sure. stuff, and then just just take it word for word. It's, that, again, astonishment. Really? Yeah. I didn't even know there were these people who sold sermons. And yeah. I, I, do, I, I do remember... Uh, being a little bit um, uh, surprised. I was a graduate student, and um, we were interviewing somebody, not we, but our church was interviewing someone in Nashville, and young guy to work in, on staff, and he was sort of explaining that he didn't do Saturdays or didn't do this or that or, what, or whatever, and uh, putting hedges around, I'd rather not do hospital or this and that, and I, I, I kind of thought, well, what, what do you want? I mean, <laughs> do you want to do the pastorate? Yeah. And I feel the same way with this. What, yeah. what is it you think you're doing? Right. Uh, it's, it is baffling to me. Yeah, it is. And then just to see kind of how nonchalant so yeah. many have been yeah. about it. And it's an indication, I think, of just kind of how bad yeah. things have really grown in the convention. And so, and by, by the way, let me, you talked about new leadership. Mm-hmm. I think that there is a movement uh, afoot to find new cool leadership that's appealing to the Utes. Mm. I, I, I was mm. in a National Guard unit with a lot of Polish guys in Chicago, and they said, the Utes, you gotta watch the Utes today. <laughs> so anyway, it's like, oh yeah, we've got to, we gotta get this guy, he'll be attractive, and we gotta get those generations. Yeah. And like, what What about just getting someone who's like really sensible and godly, and mm. if he's got the hair like the snows of Hermon or something, <laughs> you know, fine. Or if he's 22 and he's David Brainerd, or, I mean, just, <laughs> Pick somebody, yeah. but don't do it as a PR move right? or as a defensive PR move. The world is watching. We've got to oh, come up yeah. with something something not offensive. And they're like, like what is that? Yeah. Give us uh, godly, godly, solid people. Amen. Amen. Yeah. And I, I don't think there's a way out of this apart from that. And churches yeah. recognizing it, and pastors especially. I really think it, it's going to f- fall on the shoulders of pastors. Either mm-hmm. we're going to leave yeah. or we're not. and and say, okay, look, uh, we're a convention of a lot of churches and a lot of people, yeah. and we're not going to see eye to eye on everything, but there's some things we just simply cannot back away from. Yeah, no, you know, we've got to stay here. And and our convention's designed for change to happen. Yeah, It's not designed to happen quickly, yeah. but yeah. it can happen, as we saw in the conservative resurgence. But it, it won't happen unless we get a president elected yeah. who's willing to make the appointments and to hold the line. And yeah. No, so. I agree. I mean, that's... That's part of the genius of the thing that the guy has a committee on committees, committee on nominations, and that there's a trickle-down thing. Mm -hmm. And at Southern, we typically gave 
the other guys their second five-year term. It was a slow mm-hmm. turnaround, but it was absolutely uh, necessary but doable. Yeah. And when I was at Wheaton, I, I come in com- came in contact with a lot of denominations that would have um, a more exalted kind of leadership, whether mm-hmm. it was the presbytery or this or this, working up the line, and and um, and they kind of ran things. But it, it, for us, it's just like. You know, as someone once said, well, I won't repeat it, but it's just the common kind of guy. You can load 10 folks in a van and they can sleep in it overnight, drive down from Waxahachie or Waxahachie mm-hmm. or Waxahachie <laughs> and, and vote and then get back to the mill by, mm-hmm. you know, by supper. And, and that was that was wonderful. It was it was a populist kind of movement. Yeah. And and by the way, there's Herschel Hobbs. I interviewed him for a, for a book, a little chapter in a book. And uh, he was talking about back in the days um, when uh, you had two grandees from Atlanta or something, and they were wearing spats or something at a convention and sitting on the platform, and people are taking the mics and barking here and there. And, <laughs> and by the way, on re- resolutions, we get some interesting re- resolutions <laughs> against the Elvis stamps or the secret choir robes and, or support NASA so we could evangelize outer space. I mean, it's just it's the greatest show on earth. And the guy said, this is unseemly, you know. And the other guy paid him, and he says, listen, <coughs> he says, you want you want the little dogs to hunt, you got to let them bark. Well, that's condescending, mm. but there is a point there mm. that we need to let people have their say. Yeah. And their say, I think, is increasingly, what in the world are we doing? Yeah. And I think we need to have a fresh say yeah. in uh, Anaheim. I, I agree. I hope it happens because I, I feel um, – very sad and frustrated about Nashville yeah. and constantly it just seemed like the efforts were thwarted every time there was yeah. a, a, yeah. a desire from the, the floor of the convention to try to speak to something right. that wasn't the narrative yeah. uh, just got shut down. Two years in a row like they finessed as you say we've been played mm-hmm. in Birmingham and then okay now we're ready and we got a thousand signatures on this thing a lot of times it just takes I mean it just takes one or yeah. something yeah. and then, yo we'll take it Seriously, and there was a preponderance of uh, interest in saying, can we set this record straight? This yeah. is, we messed up. Yeah. And boy, they finessed it and then abused us along the way. Yeah. And so I, I, this is a weird thing, but I'm kind of encouraged by how CRT is being, <coughs> is, is, doesn't have a good shelf life in America. And I think of the Loudoun uh, mm. School Board and other things. Mm-hmm. And I don't think this madness that has come has, has a good shelf life. Um, I mean, you can maybe keep it rolling for a while, but I think there are too many people in the pew who are saying something is getting hinky here. Yeah. Well, I don't, I have, I cannot believe that the majority of our churches or those in our churches are happy about the direction if they understand and know what it is. Yeah. But many of them are just saying, all right, let's just cut our losses and go, you know, this, we're tired of this. We're not going to pay for this anymore. Um, and I, you know, I understand that. I mean, I wouldn't fault any man's conscience who said, I yeah. just can't participate in this anymore. I mean, it's right. between him and God and church and God. But I do think there's reasons to stay in and try to contend. No, I do. I do too. I mean, look, I mean, I'm kind of like Groucho. I'd hate to belong to any organization that would have me as a member. I mean, I'm, I'm astonished <laughs> that they even let me show up or something and wear a badge. Uh, but, you know, having seen, I mean, first, when I was in Jim Crow era as a kid, I would see restrooms like men, women, colored, you know, mm-hmm. or, or the, in in my youth, uh, the blacks were in the balcony and we were downstairs at the theater and mm-hmm. we were separated. <clears throat> so it was just crazy time in, in a lot of ways. And then for them to say, oh, it's terrible, it's terrible. I say, 
you have no historical perspective. I mean, do, do you realize what this was like? And mm-hmm. so I would say to people to say, uh, and it's not a sin. I mean, the Southern Baptist Convention is not the kingdom. Right, sure. That, uh, and there, there is stuff to be upset about. But I would say, look, uh, it was really crazy time mm-hmm. back then. And yet we stuck with it. And I think, look, part of, part of it was, you know, when I, when I see people really upset about the condition, the racial things or whatever, you need to get out more. You need to go to Sudan. You need to go to India. You need to find out. And, and, and why are people streaming here right. if, if, if it's so terrible? And so I think you need to get some perspective. Uh, this, this is really fairly wonderful. And, um, you know, I, I've, I've been through an unbelievable renewal. Very few denominations go through what we did. Mm-hmm. And so I kind of think um, it's very doable. Um, Particularly, the culture did not have the wind at our back about inerrancy. They were kind of cheering the guys to get more liberal. I think we're getting more and more of the culture at our back. When I grew up in Arkansas, we were about 20 years behind California. They would wear Nehru jackets and, (laughs) you know, whatever. And then we finally get narrow jackets after they'd moved on or something. Mm -hmm. And, And I think that in certain places at CRTs, it was really hot and it's the coolest thing. And we have the grievance and all these HR people bringing in counselors and sensitivity and it. And it's, it's kind of to me on the downward uh, slope a bit now. And we're just discovering like it's the hot new thing. And I think we're very PR oriented. We're just thinking, mm-hmm. you know, like us, like us, we want the world to say, <laughs> well done, well done. You guys have all the proper sensitivities. And I'm just thinking, look, we're late to the party, you know, um, we're looking silly. We're wearing the tux and it's a costume party or we're wearing the costume and it's a tux party. I think awakenings are going to happen too. Honestly, I think that things are so deplorable now uh, nationwide that people are going to say, this is crazy. And I think God may move, but uh, I, I, I really do. I do have hope. I don't gainsay the others, by the way, being at Wheaton sure helped because that was not Southern Baptist mm-hmm. land. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's Southern Baptist churches up there. But all this stuff about deputation for missions where churches do that, but that was all they did. And so the missionaries out there trying to keep those letters supporting those five churches and they have a split and then he has to come home. And and by the way, you you can be non-denominational and that thing can go bad really quickly. Sure. I mean, what's this Valhalla you're running to? Um, you know, Cecil Sims was the state exec in Northwest um, uh, pardon for the cough, but <clears throat> was uh, the uh, state exec in the Northwest Association, which was Washington and Oregon. Mm-hmm. And he, he said a lot of guys come west, and then they throw off the Southern Baptist Convention and, and uh, you know, we're just annoyed, and you have to promote this. And, you know, the old pastor mm-hmm. would watch the train come by every time, just sit there in the parking lot and watch the train. They asked him, why are you doing that every day? He says, the only thing that comes through town, I don't have to push. And I just love to look at it. <laughs> so here's like, it's Lottie Moon, it's Annie Armstrong, it's seminary day, it's whatever, whatever. And so they get out there and they get liberated. And then after a while, they say, there's one thing worse than being a Southern Baptist and getting all that literature from the CLC about stewardship Sunday and, and Lottie Moon and stuff. And it's not being a Southern Baptist and not getting that stuff. Mm. And it is, it is quite an extraordinary structure and the, the the missionaries are supported i mean they're given home and mm-hmm. car and the margaret fund for college education and they get furloughs that are supported and they're doing some amazing stuff out there and i i just think i don't know that i'm walking from 
the SBC into heaven. And I've already been given the cooperative program through my years to people who denied that the ex had voted, <laughs> but we've got a handle yeah. on it. And I'd say, let's use it. Yeah. Well, it's not going to happen apart from intentionality and right. determination. Right. And I'm glad you've addressed it. I mean, I've yeah. read some of your material on that. Yeah. Well, we've, we've got to, and I, th- I think it's worth it. Well worth it. And yeah, man, again, uh, Dr. Coppinger just cannot express enough mm-hmm. to you, my appreciation for you and, and your faithfulness across so many years and your involvement with the Institute right. of Public Theology. I mean, I, I'm yeah. just thrilled. That Tom, thank you. And it is, it is a real joy. I mean, just getting back in the classroom, but with these, these folks is particularly exciting. Well, that's wonderful. Well, thanks so much for joining us today and thank you for listening to this conversation. And if you have uh, wondered about the Founders Conference 2022, you weren't able to make it, those sessions are now all available in the Armory, and you can access the Armory by becoming a Founders Alliance member. Uh, we want to thank our Founders Alliance members for supporting us month by month, enabling us to put on this podcast and produce the other content that we have uh, coming out regularly. So thanks again for joining us.